Embarrassing, I tell you. The things you'll do for the creative arts ministry around here, right? JT said, just do some disco moves. I said, I don't know any disco moves. Anyway, good morning, Cross Point. How's everybody doing this morning? Doing well? I hope you're doing well this morning. It's great to see you. I know it's the, uh, it's the, it's the last weekend before we start back to school, and uh, I know a lot of people are probably out. I know some people that are out, uh, just kind of getting that last getaway before summer uh, is over and we get back into the groove, but it's good to see you here this morning. Uh, I want to say also, it's glad to, I'm just glad to be back. We had a great time in Chicago this past week doing ministry up there, amen. Uh, we had uh, a lot of people from the church that went up there and some other people from other churches, and, and, and we saw God really move in some remarkable ways, and so it was really good for us to get away, come along beside a church that is uh, in, the, in those, those beginning years of its ministry where they're trying to impact their community for Christ, and and uh, we saw God move in some very remarkable ways, but it's, uh, it's always good to be back with you guys and uh, looking forward to today. Before we dive into the message this morning, I do want to make a few announcements, though. First of all, uh, if you're in a life group, you have been invited to a, uh, uh, an event tonight that I just want to remind you of and encourage you to be here. We're going to have tonight one big life group at Cross Point Church tonight. And so it's going to be a time where all of the life groups can come together under one roof and just spend some time together. We're going to have uh, some, a time of fellowship, but a time of, of learning as well. And so I just want to encourage you, if you're a part of a, a ministry, a uh, Bible study, a D group, a life group, get with your life group leader, your Bible stu- uh, study leader, and just uh, plan on being here tonight at 530. Uh, it's going to be an amazing time. I just want to just really encourage you to, to be here for that. And then also, uh, starting next week, we're gonna, uh, we got an upcoming series starting called Welcome to Our Church. And uh, this series is going to be a good one because it really begins to reveal to us the DNA of who we are and what we're supposed to become as a body of Christ. And so we're going to be looking at next week talking about what it means to be a Christ-centered church. And then we're also going to be looking at things like what it means to be gospel-centered and how that can impact our community for Christ. And so uh, this morning, before we dive into the Word, I want to just show you another little video, a little quick teaser, so to speak, of this uh, upcoming series. And so could we roll that real quick, and then we'll dive into God's Word together. So there's a little teaser about next week's uh, series that we're kicking off. Some of those questions we hope to, or all of those questions we hope to answer in that next series. Uh, so I encourage you to be here. It's going to be a, a really special time. Let's pray, and then we're going to dive into God's Word together this morning. So pray with me, if you will. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your presence here today. We thank you, God, for this time of worship that we have had. Uh, Lord, we have been singing and lifting up our voices in just praise and adoration to you. God, singing things about uh, your amazing grace, about your presence in our life and how good you are to us. And, and Father, we just worship you this morning. We thank you for this time where we as a, 
as a faith family can gather together, we can do life together, uh, we can worship together. Father, we, uh, we are here today to hear from you. And I pray, Father, that you would help us in understanding, God, everything that we are to become as a, as a church. Father, even as we look at the message today on, on resting and how that's a spiritual discipline in our life, I pray, Father, that, that maybe also you would prepare our hearts to, to be already asking, you know, how, what does it mean for us to be a church, a Christ-centered church, a gospel-centered church? And so, Father, we love you and we worship you and we just absolutely adore you and we thank you for your presence with us collectively this morning. But now, Lord, as we dive into your word and we, we prepare to, uh, to study your word together, I pray that you would help us to, to place aside every distraction in our life. God, that we could be ready to hear from you. And God, I pray that you'd speak into our hearts and that our hearts would be stirred. God, our souls would be uh, reached. And, and God, we would just hear from you in such a powerful way. Lord, we need you and we need this, this message today. God, we need this message. We love you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Most of us here today, if we were asked if there's ever been a time in our life that we need a break, we would probably answer with a resounding yes, because we've all been there, right? We've all been to that time in our life where, where life can get the best of us, and, and, and it just it seems like everything's falling apart. We're, we're beginning to unravel from the seams, and and, and, and we just need to stop. And, and it seems like sometimes that train of life is, is moving so fast that you, you don't have time to stop. Sometimes it's like you can't even find time to rest. You know, whether you're working or whether it's a job or going to school, you know, sometimes that can just seem so unending, can it? It can just get to be where it just seems like a routine and, and, and there's just no way to escape it. The work never ends and we just find ourselves overwhelmed and, 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 and just coming apart because of, uh, because of the, the, the life that we have in our work. You know, I know parenting can be tough as well. We talk a lot about uh, uh, that among our staff, and as, especially as it relates to our, our family ministry and children ministry. Parenting can be tough. Uh, you know, getting kids from school and to those extracurricular activities and, and just trying to figure out how to balance and, and issues like discipline with children. And, and children, you know, they, they, they can be a handful sometimes, getting them fed, getting them to bed. And, and sometimes it just seems like life is just so difficult. I know sometimes even vacations can be taxing on us. They can, I, I, I know there have been many times in my life where I said, you know what, I can't wait to go back to work so I can rest after vacation. Have you ever been there before? You know, I was talking to one dad in the, in, in the, in the lobby after the first service, and we were talking about the reality that sometimes as, as dads, it, and it can be so difficult to, to go off on vacation because there's so much to load up, and there's so many things to take. And I, I know when I was raising my children, I'd ask my wife, are you sure we need to take this anvil with us, you know? And she'd say, yes, that's got to go. And so you'd get it up to the condo and, you know, at the beach, and you're so excited about being there, and then you find out the elevator's broken, and they've put you on the seventh floor and so you get all that stuff up there and you finally unload it and it sits there all weekend never used you know it's just one of those ah you know you need to to just get back to work and rest I mean we have all been there we've all been to that place where we just need to stop and rest 
That's what this message is about this morning. And I know that uh, in the first service, we had several that when I said that the message was on rest, they immediately started resting by sleeping during the sermon. That's not what I mean here today, okay? So, so try to stay awake and let's, let's learn something about what it means to, to rest here. But the, the title to the message is Don't Ignore the Need to Rest. And I, and I think this is a very profound title for this message because the reality is a lot of us here, we do that in our life. We do ignore the need to rest. We, we go, go, go. We live in such a fast-paced, fast-food sort of society that, that everything we do is just on the go. And many times we fail to rest the way God would have us to rest. We're going to see today how rest can be a spiritual discipline that many times we neglect with our life. And we're going to see exactly what the Bible says about rest and how the Bible defines what rest really is. And so I hope that this is going to be one of those messages today that challenges you, but I hope it's also one that encourages you to find rest in Christ Jesus. This morning we're looking at Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Go to verses 1, 2, and 3, and then we're going to skip down to 9, 10, and 11 just for the sake of time. But we're going to begin in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. And one of the things that we begin to realize as we do this study is that every disciple of Jesus needs rest. Every disciple of Jesus needs rest. And what we see here is that there is a time in our life where we just need restoration. We need rejuvenation. We need a time to recharge the battery, so to speak. And what we're going to see is that God's Word teaches us That there is a need to rest, to nurture our vitality, if you will, to regain strength when we feel weak. And so there is that time, and and praise God that the Word teaches us that that this is something that we need to do, that's something that we, we must do, and something that God wants us to do. But as we look in Scripture this morning, what I pray is that we would we would really ask the question: well, what is rest? How does the Bible define rest? What does the Bible mean when it reveals to us the need to rest? And I know what your, your, your idea of rest probably is. It's probably the same that mine has always been. But, but what we're going to see here today is that when we look in Scripture, we see a much deeper meaning to rest than maybe what we knew before. So let's start off here today in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1, 2, and 3. And then we'll go to 9, 10, and 11. The Bible says this. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. And then we see a bit of a side note here for believers. For we who have believed enter that rest. But then he goes on and he says, but... He has said, as I swore my wrath, that they shall not enter my rest. Talking about unbelievers. And then we get down to verse 9, 10, and 11, and we read this. And so then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Now, to understand this passage, we, 
we must dive into the heart of this subject. And I want to begin this morning by defining how Webster Dictionary would define rest and how probably most all of us would define rest here this morning. Webster says this about rest. It says, it is to cease work or movement in order to relax, refresh oneself, or recover in strength. And I think that's a good definition for, for rest, is, is, at least uh, from, a, from a way of, of, of regaining physical strength and rest. And no doubt the Bible speaks of this type of rest. But what we're going to see is that the Bible also speaks of a deeper level of stress. You know, what we're going to come to understand here is, is that rest is something that that can be defined this way, but Scripture points to something much deeper deeper than this. Scripture points to a rest that is deeper than just simply jumping on a motorcycle or, or going out and, and taking some time off for work or, or maybe even taking a nap. I had one person uh, who came up to me after the first service and says, Pastor David, I, I'm still a little confused. Is it okay if I nap this afternoon? Yes, it's okay if you nap this afternoon, okay? But, but the reality is this, is that Scripture, when it talks about rest, speaks of something much different than maybe what we've always thought of. I remember when I graduated high school, I took a job at the hospital uh, as an orderly. I don't know if any of you ever served in this sort of capacity. It was really sort of out of my comfort zone, but, but that's what I did. I took a job doing this, and, and I worked the night shift. They put me on that late night shift, you know, it was when, when most of the patients are supposed to be sleeping, but all the nurses like to wake them up anyway, you know, and, and so it's during that time, but for orderlies, it can be quite, it can be quite quiet. It can be very quiet at times, and so one day I remember we were working, and, and a notice came out to all of us that one of our orderlies was missing. We didn't know where he was. His name was Charles, and they sent us all out looking for Charles. Something's happened to Charles. Has he left the building? What's happened? And so they sent me to the lower floors, and I remember I was down in the basement where a lot of our supplies were that we kept down there and, and stuff, and I, I remember checking every room that I could possibly check, and we were looking for Charles, and, and finally I just I said, well, I don't know where he is. I'm going to stop in the restroom before I go back upstairs. And so as I walked in, there's Charles' feet under the stall. I said, hey, Charles, you know the whole hospital is looking for you, right? And there was nothing but silence. And I remember just seeing his feet down there, and I'm kind of, you know, you, you don't want to be too awkward in the bathroom, but you're, you're, you're kind of like walking by, you know, looking. That is Charles's feet, I'm pretty sure. And so I, I walk up to the door, and I go, hey, Charles, you know everybody's looking for you, right? And then I hear it. It's a little snore. Middle of the night. And Charles is in the stall, sleeping. So I bang on the door. Hey, Charles, hey, Charles, man, you need to wake up. Everybody's looking for him. And I remember him just kind of being startled. Hey, what, what's going on? Hey, man, man, I just needed some rest. I remember thinking, man, you, you need to get some sleep, you know, if, if you're going to come down and fall asleep in the bathroom like that, you know. But anyway, I don't believe that what Scripture is talking about is that type of rest, okay? Here's what I want us to look at. I want us to look at something much deeper than that. So we're going to dive into the Word here this morning, and we're going to discover what rest really means for us as believers in Christ Jesus. The Bible basically speaks of rest in two ways. One certainly is it that it addresses physical rest. In fact, when we go back to the Old Testament, to Exodus chapter 34, verse 21, it says this. It says, six days you shall work, but on the seventh day you shall rest in plowing time and in harvest you shall 
rest. And so when there's physical work, you, you work, but when, there, when there's exhaustion, there's, there's a time of rest. And this was God establishing the Sabbath day for the, for the uh, Israelites. And so he's, he's saying, listen, work, but also rest. And then when we get to the, the New Testament, we see here where Jesus is confronting his disciples and he's, he's challenging them. They're working hard, they're serving, they're, 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 they're following him, and, and, and they've come to a place where they're, they're at the point of exhaustion. And we see in Mark chapter 6, verse 31, where Jesus comes to them and he says this, he says, come away by yourself to a desolate place and rest for a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. And so the disciples were so busy, they just didn't have time to really sit down and, and rest and, or, or much less eat. And so Jesus was encouraging this. But more often than that, when we look at spiritual rest or we look in the scripture at rest, we see not only physical rest, but we see a spiritual rest that as we examine rest throughout Scripture, we begin to realize that the two are sort of go hand in hand together, that, 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 that when God's Word is speaking of rest, it's speaking of more than just merely taking a break from life. If we go back to Exodus, we see in verse 33, verse 14, where God says these words, and these are very powerful words that God would present to us this morning. He says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Now, take note of what's being said here. He says, he says, my presence, the presence of God, my presence will be with you. And then here's what God says. God says, I will give you rest. He's not talking about physical rest that may come from taking a nap, but he's talking about some sort of spiritual presence that, that he has with his people, with the, the children of God. And he says, he says, my presence will be with you and, and I will give you rest. And then later in the New Testament, when we continue studying the works of Jesus, we get to Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, and we see these powerful words by Jesus that sound so much like the passage that we read in Exodus where Jesus says this. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If there's anything that we walk away with here today, it's this, that Jesus says to us this morning, come to me, those of you who are tired, who are weary, and I will give you rest. Jesus is revealing to us that he is the source of rest. I love a prayer that Augustine once prayed, and, and I, I pray that this would be the prayer for us this morning as well, each and every one of us as believers or followers of Christ Jesus. Augustine once wrote this. He says, God, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless till they find their rest in you. I love that. I love the the verbiage that he uses here, talking about rest. We could, we could fill in those, those words with many different other words because we know who God is to us. We know that he is our savior. We know that he is constantly sanctifying us. We know that he is constantly filling us with his amazing grace. 
And so we look at what Augustine once said. He says, God, you have made us for yourself, for your glory. You have created us for your glory. You have, you have given us opportunity to serve you and to advance your kingdom. For your glory, we exist. But then he says this. He says, and our hearts are restless. They're without rest. Our hearts are, are without peace. Our hearts are empty until they find their rest in you. And I just love his choice of words there. You see, what we come to realize is that rest is more than just taking a break, but it's more about enjoying God. It's about coming to God. When we rest, it's not about how much sleep we can get in that afternoon nap. It's about how we can glorify God in that time of rest, how we can pursue Him, how we can seek after Him, how we can do as Jesus said, come to me. When you are in need of rest, come to me. When life is overwhelming, when life is at the toughest that it can be, when we are at our wits end, Jesus says to every one of us here today, Jesus says, come me we need to know that when we are weary we need to know that when we feel burned out we need to know that when we are tired and we need rest now I want us to look back at our passage because I'm not done there I want us to to go there now and what we're going to see in these two passages that I've I've presented to you this morning are two very powerful truths that I think that the, the writer of Hebrews was trying to reveal to us as he wrote these words. And I know that uh, just by looking at these words, they can seem a bit confusing, but I want you to stay with me because there's so much depth here in what the gospel is teaching us here this morning. But the first truth is this, that, that true rest can only be found through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, when I say true, true rest, what I'm talking about is the kind of rest that the Scripture is talking about. I'm not talking about the way that Webster Dictionary might define rest. I'm talking about the rest that we see in Scripture. When we see this word rest, when we uh, encounter words like, like, come to me, when you're tired and you need rest, come to me and I will give you rest. When we see that in Scripture, what is it that the Bible is speaking of? What is it that God is trying to communicate to us concerning this idea of rest? And what we come to realize as we study the gospel, both the Old Testament and the New, what we come to realize is that true rest can only be found, the kind of rest that's described in Scripture, can only be found through faith in Christ Jesus. And this is what the author of Hebrews is revealing to us in verses 1 two and three. He says this, therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, I love that, the promise of entering his rest, the gospel tells us to come to Jesus, that he is the one, he is the creator, he is the source of rest. Come to him. And so this promise that God has declared in Exodus and this promise that Jesus has declared to us, this promise that has been made, it has not gone away. God is faithful to his word. And he says this, this promise of entering into rest, it still stands. But let us, at least, any of us should uh, fear uh, that we, that of any of you who should seem to have failed to reach it. In other words, he says, what you should do is fear not ever getting this kind of rest. And so here we begin to see the author of Hebrews just really revealing to us something new about rest. In verse 2 it says, and the good news 
came to us just as to them. And then, so what he does here is he paints a scenario to us. He, he really paints two scenarios for us. The first one is this, that there are those who believed in God, who are children of God, those who are followers of Christ Jesus, who are united by faith in Christ. And this group, this, this group of people has found true rest. But then, the, then he goes on to say, but there are those others who are not united by faith that will not find rest. He even goes on to say in verse 3 that, that God has declared, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. In other words, what God is saying is if you don't come to Christ, you will never find rest. It's not going to happen. True spiritual rest and peace and contentment and all of those things are dependent upon this relationship that we have in Christ Jesus. Have you ever noticed how rest is so, so closely associated to peace? Have you ever noticed that? You know, really what we desire in our life more than anything, believe it or not, is peace. We may not identify it as that. We may say, man, I want a red Ferrari. We, that may be the thing that we long for, and we, you know, and, and, but, but really, think about it for just a moment. If we live all of our life longing and wanting and desiring a red Ferrari, the only reason we're wanting that Ferrari is because we don't have peace because we don't have a Ferrari. And so we, the things that we desire, these worldly things that we may be attracted to, these things that we may desire in our life, whether it's, it's something like a Ferrari or something like you know, food that we may need to, for dinner one night, it, whatever it is, those things, when we don't have those things, what we really are lacking in our life is peace. We, we don't have peace. We don't have contentment. And it's remarkable how rest is so closely associated to the lack of peace in our life. We begin to see this, and so uh, we, we begin to feel weak. We begin to feel consumed by our lack of rest and our lack of peace. We, we begin to believe that our lives are becoming unraveled. And so the question for me is this, is, is if rest is so associated with this presence of God, because this is what's being talked about here in this passage, that, that we need to enter into the presence of God. So if true spiritual rest is associated with the presence of God, then I wonder how much the absence of rest might be associated with sin in our life or the lack of God's presence in our life. Most all of us here today probably know the story that's found in Genesis chapter 3. We know this is the fall of man. This is Adam and Eve, and they've been created by God, and he's placed them in a garden, and there's, 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 there's the most perfect of all fellowship that's taken place. There's, there's this wonderful community that exists, this wonderful fellowship that exists between Adam and Eve and God, and so there's, there's just perfect harmony. It's perfection at its greatest. And so we, as we begin to read the story, we see the story unfold that that, that, that uh, the serpent comes along, the enemy comes along, and, and basically talks them into believing that, that, uh, that, that they can eat of the forbidden fruit. The one thing that God has asked them not to partake in, they're convinced now that they can, and so they eat of the forbidden fruit. And then what we see 
next in this story, the, the gospel is that God approaches and what we suddenly realize is the shame and the, 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 just the shame and the despair that, that we see in Adam and Eve as they recognize their disobedience in their life and they, they realize their nakedness. And it says in the scriptures that they hide from God. This perfect situation that God had created and suddenly they're hiding from God because of their disappointment and their disobedience. And then what we see is two questions that God asks. In fact, this is the first two questions that God asks of Adam and Eve. And in fact, the first two questions that God ever asked humanity. Do you know what they are? He comes up to them and the first question that God asks is this. He says, where are you? You see, they're hiding from God. He says, where are you? Now, this is an interesting question because God knows everything, right? It wasn't that God didn't know where they were. It wasn't that they, were, they could hide behind an oak tree and he not know where they were. He knew where they were, but he was asking them the question nonetheless, where are you? And so he asked this question. He says, where are you? And it's almost as if God would, would, would spur them on to consider their standing with him now. You see, there had been perfection and now that was all lost the the presence of God had been kind of messed up and and so here God was was saying listen we we were we were together in fellowship you were walking in my presence and now you're walking somewhere else and so he says where are you he's he's asking them quite clearly where they're standing with him really is are you walking with me are you going to walk with the world I think about that question, and I think about many of us who are living our life just frazzled beyond measure. And the question for us this morning might be, where are we? Are we walking with God, or are we walking somewhere else? And then the second question that God asked Adam and Eve is this. Because you see, what they say is they immediately begin to say, well, God, here we are, and here's what happened. And I know we were disobedient, but, but here's what happened. The serpent came along, and he told us that, that it was okay to... And so the second question that God asked them is this. He says, who told you that? Again, it's not that God didn't know the answer to his question. He's basically saying, who are you listening to besides me? Why are you not walking with me? And who are you listening to besides me? There's unrest in Adam and Eve's life. There's a lack of peace. There's shame. There's discouragement. There's now uncertainty. There's all these emotions that are running through their life. And they are in desperate need of God and in their sin, they have found nothing but unrest. But the promise of God is this. Come to me, all who are heavy and burdened, and I will give you rest. Even if our sin is associated with our lack of rest, the promise still stands that God is there and that he has given us Christ. And Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. True rest is only found through faith in Christ Jesus. We need not abandon the one who has saved us and is sanctifying us and is growing us and walking with us for the sake of the world. The second truth that we learn here is this, and this is really something that is, is, um, 
this is the good news for us. In the second passage, we look at verses 9, 10, and 11, and we realize this truth, that our Sabbath rest is in Jesus. You remember when we started out this message, we, we looked where, where, where Jesus was revealing to us, you know, you work hard six days a week and you take the seventh day off, and he was, he was establishing the Sabbath rest for, for his people, for the children of God. He was establishing that. But now we come to the New Testament, and we begin to realize that the, the rest that, that we need so desperately in our life when we are feeling heavy and, and burdened with life, the rest that we need in our life is only found in Christ Jesus. And then here we see that the writer of Hebrews is revealing this to us in the gospel, that Jesus is our Sabbath rest. He says this, So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did. Look at what he says here. Therefore, let us therefore strive to enter that rest. The, he, the writer of Hebrews brings our attention that there is such a thing as a Sabbath rest, but no longer is that Sabbath rest dependent upon a day of the week. It is found in Christ Jesus. Now we know this because Jesus himself taught this. There was a passage in Matthew chapter 12, verse 8, where where the Pharisees begin to criticize Jesus and his disciples because they were working on the, on the Sabbath. They were, they were out doing ministry and they begin to work during the Sabbath. Something that was unlawful during Jesus' time. And the Pharisees, they came and they begin to criticize him. How can you be who you say you are if you're going to work on the Sabbath? And what Jesus does immediately is he begins to educate them on what the real Sabbath is and that the reality that he was the one that created it. He was the one that established it. He is the one who today continues to give rest. And what we see here in Matthew 12, verse 8, he says, the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath declaring to the Pharisees and to us today that He is our rest. He is our rest. That's why He would say, when you are tired, when you are hurting, when you are frazzled, when you are consumed with sin, when you are living a life of disobedience, when you are a victim of unfortunate circumstances, and you come to the place in your life where you say, God, I can't do this any longer, that Jesus says to us, come to me. All of you who need this, come to me. I am your rest. Resting is so much more than letting our hair down, getting away from a job, or taking an afternoon nap. Resting is enjoying more of God because He is so approachable to us. That God would say, come to me. I know how you feel. I know the pain that you are going through. I know how difficult life can be. I know the stresses that you feel. I know every thread that is unraveling in your life. I know your past. 
I know your defeats. I know everything about you. I know what's going on in your life. But the message is clear. Come to me, he says. Come to me. You can't find the kind of rest that I have to offer anywhere but in me. The last verse of this text says, let us therefore strive to enter that rest. If Jesus is the ultimate rest, if Jesus is our Sabbath rest, and we today are feeling as frazzled as we could ever feel, then the Word of God teaches us is is that that finding this rest can even be a spiritual discipline in our life where we say, you know what? I'm going to stop what I'm doing. I'm going to stop and take a break. But that's not all. I'm going to seek after the one who can help me find rest. I'm going to pursue the one who can give me rest. I'm going to turn to Jesus. Therefore, let us strive to enter the rest that Jesus offers to us. I'm going to leave with one last quote. Oswald Chambers once wrote these words. Jesus Christ became incarnate for one purpose, to make a way back to God that man might stand before him as he was created to do, the friend and lover of God himself. In just a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to sing that last song. And I, I know this. I know that this morning some of us, just out of faithfulness, we got up and we came to church and we really didn't probably want to. I know that the reality is a lot of us probably came here because we just felt like it was something we should do and we didn't really feel like rolling out of bed because we are tired. I know that the reality is is that some of us are here today with burdens that seem so great in our life that we don't think we can overcome them. And the reality is we can't without Jesus in our life. I realize that there are some of us here today that desperately need to come to Jesus because He is ready to offer the rest that you so desperately need need and so in just a moment we're going to stand and you come you come to this altar and you cry out to God and you say God I'm tired can we just be honest with God for once in our life can we just be honest and say what God already knows about who we are that we are exhausted that we are frazzled that we are consumed With the hardships of life, can we just be responsive to God? Can we just go ahead and admit to God this morning that we need Him desperately in our life? Let us come to Him. I know we can do it in our seat, but this altar is a great place for us to come and just spend a quiet moment with God. Maybe for some of us, we want to just stand and worship God as we sing this last song together. We're going to be singing about the reality that He is a good, good Father. How many of you believe that this morning? He is a good, good Father. So in just a moment after I pray, whatever business you need to do with God, be faithful and do that business with God. Spend time with Him. Take a break. 
allow the distractions that are flowing through our minds right now to just fade away and let us be intentional about seeking him our pastors will be down front if you want to pray with them following the service we'll be in the connection room if you want to come and visit with us there but let us as the children of God this morning find the rest that we need in him let's pray Father thank you for this day thank you God for all that you are Thank you, Father, that you are a good, good Father. God, your gospel reveals so much to us about what's available to us. And God, so often we find ourselves not truly understanding what you will do for us. God, many of us in this room today are weary Many of us are tired from the summer and concerned about what the fall may bring. Many of us in this room are in need of rest that we haven't been able to get over the summer. Father, I pray that today, God, we would find rest in you. Your word promises us as your children that your presence will be with us and you will give us rest. Lord, we are thankful for that promise. We need that promise. And so, Father, in just a moment as we stand and we sing about the reality that you are a good, good Father, I pray, Father, that we would believe that with all of our heart. And, God, that we would seek after you because, God, that's what we need to do. God, allow the rest that is found in Christ come in the form of a spiritual discipline that we rest in you every single day of our life. As we turn from sin, as we turn from the ways of this world, as we turn and place our eyes on the author and the perfecter of our faith, let us seek after you as children of God because we so desperately need to. We love you and praise you. In the name of Jesus, we pray.